Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. This is the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. We're previewing the Mexican Grand Prix, a Grand Prix in which Lewis Hamilton could well claim his sixth world championship. Harry Eid is on his holiday, so I'm joined only by Samuel Sage. But of course, you have the personality to fill two people, so we won't be lacking for opinions. That's what my tombstone's going to say. Has the personality to fill two people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like to see that happen now. <laughs> Presuming that would have to mean that I, you know, go after you. So. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, that's more likely I'm a thousand years old. Anyway, less about my personality and <laughs> more about the Mexican Grand Prix, which is always super, super exciting. Ben, you posed a rather interesting question to kick us off. Uh, will Max make it three in a row? I actually want to hear what you think, because you always come up with the most fantastic points of view so hit me with it max three in a row possible I, I think it's plausible um but i think it's a long way from a foregone conclusion if you look at this season red bull whilst max verstappen has stayed in the hunt for for third place it has been a case of red bull have not really had the fastest car at many circuits this year in fact you could probably argue it's only austria where verstappen forced his way back through the field where they have had the best car even Verstappen's only other win which came in in Germany was not due to pure pace you know Mercedes would have wrapped that up in in a one-two finish if it was down to just pace of course not taking anything away from Verstappen but just talking about Red Bull's performance throughout the year but of course they have done historically very well at the circuit um, partly because of their own uh, strengths partly because of Mercedes apparent weakness at the circuit they take advantage of that every year um, and if that continues on, there's every chance that Verstappen does get involved and does take another race win. I feel like his wins at the circuit, particularly last year, were overshadowed thanks to, you know, um, Hamilton winning the championship, obviously, when Verstappen's performance in itself was very impressive. Um, I think it could well come down to Ferrari versus Red Bull this weekend. And I'll be interested to see what you think about that uh, in a little bit, because... 
Mercedes, you don't often discount them. And we, we always say going into a race weekend, Mercedes should be there or thereabouts. But they are, this could well be their worst circuit on the year. Um, and they are not very confident coming into the weekend at all. Um, and essentially, from Hamilton's perspective, he doesn't need to win the race. So there's not necessarily going to be a situation where he is going all guns a blazing and is... If if he's in sort of P4, P5, similar to what he was doing last year, he's not going to take an unnecessary risk. He's going to wrap up the championship. So I think it could be a Ferrari versus Red Bull weekend. And I think the deciding factor, I think there could be two sort of keys to victory for Verstappen. Number one is, can Red Bull negate Ferrari's pace in the first sector? Can they do enough to keep in touch? Because those first two straights, Ferrari should theoretically have a massive advantage. Can Red Bull make it? slightly less of an advantage so they can claw back the time later in the lap and also can Albon be a factor I think that will be really important because we've seen so many times this season and in previous seasons where if it is two teams going against each other whether it's Ferrari Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari doesn't really matter the team that has two drivers at the front going for the win against the team that has only one driver generally prevails because they can split strategies and suddenly as that lone driver you have to make that decision who do you cover off and pray that the other driver hasn't picked the the strategy to win it um if Verstappen is out in front by himself and he's got Leclerc and Vettel behind and Albon's non-factor he can't hold up one of the guys say then suddenly Leclerc and Vettel could split strategies and Verstappen's win comes into question so yeah I think Ferrari Red Bull both in contention Mercedes if they can get their act together is a bit of a weird one Mexico always very difficult to predict but Verstappen yeah in the hunt very interesting indeed yeah Max Verstappen is always in the hunt I mean there's no make no two ways about it Max Verstappen has incredible raw pace regardless of where he is on track what car he's driving what he's doing he's always one of the fastest men you're going to see at any track regardless of the performance of the car he is in now, Mexico, like you say, is an odd one. Mexico is at such a high altitude. I think I saw a fantastic statistic that Mexico is higher above sea level than the Burj Khalifa because of the way that the track is positioned in Mexico, which shows you how thin the air is. Now, Ferrari do fantastically well when it comes to warm conditions, small amounts of airflow, and, of course, that power unit is just unfathomably fast in comparison to both the Mercedes and the Honda power unit now. Uh, Mercedes don't do well in hot conditions, as we saw in Austria. The car just crumbles. They need airflow to their power units to really utilise the full performance. And I would say that Mexico is a little bit like Spa in the sense that sectors one and sectors three are pure power sectors. And that middle sector is all about your chassis, your aerodynamic build, your ability to utilise cornering speed, acceleration and getting through kind of the uh, this really, you know, tight twisty section and that same section those two corners in the middle that are very fast left right handers suit red bull down to a t they are brilliant corners for a red bull chassis for our other hand absolutely lightning fast and straight as we've said and i do think that Unlike last year, where Red Bull were on an upwards trajectory, Ferrari were on a downwards trajectory, it's almost swapped over. Red Bull are the weakest of the three teams. They should, will always do well in Mexico. I think they're going to do well again this weekend, but I think it's tougher for them. Ferrari are the strongest they've ever been in this era at this point in the season. Verstappen has got the ability to make it three in a row. I don't know if he's going to be able to beat Leclerc and Vessel when they're in this going improved Ferrari at the moment. It is so rapidly quick, but I think they won't be able to negate the first straights that we have, that bit after the first little S, and then that final long straight into the stadium section. I think that's enough time 
for them to gain to make the balance difference. And the difference is, if you haven't got straight line speed around Mexico, it's really tough to overtake because that middle sector is not easy to pass in unless someone makes a mistake. So I think that Verstappen, yes, he'll be on the hunt. He'll be there. Hopefully, after Albon is back up, who we've seen grow race after race after race. You know, that qualifying session in Japan, they set the same lap time, which is just incredible pace from Albon, considering that he's only been in that car for five races. He's only been in Formula 1 for, what, 17 races. It's incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, but I do think that Ferrari has had the overall stronger package. I think it's going to be tough for Max. And I don't think Mercedes are going to be too bothered. I think Hamilton will be Bottas. Could happen anywhere. It doesn't matter. Hamilton's got it locked in the bag. So I'm seeing it more go Leclerc or Vettel's way than I am Max's. Um, something that was announced today is that there will be an extra DRS zone in place rather than just the, the two main straights towards the beginning of the lap. And you did reference how Red Bull should be quite strong in that middle sector, but it is difficult to overtake as you go through those snaking corners. Now that there is going to be a DRS re- sort of range at the end of that section, do you think that could help Red Bull or do you think this will help Ferrari? Because of, of course, you know, that they are straight line speed kings. Sorry, just before I say, it's, it's going to be a really small DRS zone. Yeah, it's a tiny straight. It is a really small... I think it's smaller than the straight between Magus Beckett's and Chapel and Stowe in Silverstone. I think it's shorter than that straight. And that, in Formula oh, definitely. Because, yeah, it's considered <laughs> a small straight for DRS. Yeah, this is tiny. This is really short. So... I don't. I think it's going to help to follow. I think you might get a better advantage if you're behind going into the stadium section because of DRS to then get on the back of someone down the start finish straight. I don't know how many moves we're going to see between actual closely matched cars down that one straight. But if it gets you in a position ready to overtake for a slightly slower car in a straight line down that start finish straight, I'm all for it. I'm I'm happy to see more front doors opened on the back of cars to allow teams to pass each other if it means we get some good wheel-to-wheel racing in that stadium section because the atmosphere in there is electric so cars going side by side in there sounds all good to me now obviously if red bull are on it this this weekend we are looking at max verstappen and whether he can take the victory or not but of course alexander alban is in the other seat sam do you think there is any chance if they do have the car that alban could well claim his first podium in f1 and if that was the case do you think that would cement his place? If not, it's not already cemented for next year. So I think I've made it relatively clear, but I'm I'm a fan of Albon. I really admire his talent, his personality, his level-headedness in the sport. He's come into the sport. He's really kind of carved himself out of place. People have a lot of respect for him, despite being so unrenowned the sport you know he hasn't really got a lot of experience he's very inexperienced in a formula one car and i really have a lot of faith in him unlike gasly i always felt a little bit shifty about him same as kavia another man with a lot of pace but i don't know if i really trust him at that front end album on the other hand is just improved and improved and improved and i think yes there's every chance he gets a podium in the next guy would not count him out if he qualifies at the same pace as the staff around japan the drivers say that is one of the hardest tracks to go around on the whole calendar he's matching max verstappen Max quality, in my opinion. Yes, I think he could do it in Mexico. I think if he hangs on to the back of Max and then maybe has a better strategy because he's the second driver, as we said, 2v1 maybe against Ferrari, there's every chance he makes it into that third place. Maybe even a really strong racing, you never know, could challenge for the win. But I actually would not count Album out at any opportunity in this race. I really think he's got the pace to surprise a lot of people here. Yeah, I think Albon still has a long, long way to go in his development, but he is showing signs that he has got potential to be a solid driver in the Red Bull team. Um, And you referenced the lap in qualifying at Japan. I actually said after the Japanese Grand Prix, I think that was the lap that sealed 
Albon in that role for next year. It seems weird that one lap would be the deciding factor, but I think everything else he's shown plus that lap, because it's something Gasly could never do, match Verstappen in qualifying. Um, I think that that lap has actually got him the seat for next year. And if he was to get a podium here, it would just be a cherry on top of the cake. Um, and of course, it'd be a great moment for Albon, who would who'd be enjoying his first podium in F1. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think he's quite there yet. I think it will largely depend. If Red Bull come into the weekend with the best car by a considerable margin, then yes, he probably will. Um, if Ferrari and Red Bull are close, I think the other three will, will probably push him out. But he, he's in he's in the fight at least. So be interesting to see how he gets on. And talking about the top three. What is your prediction for pole position and then the top three in the race? So pole position, I'm going to say, is Sebastian Vettel. I have not said it like that, like Crofty says it. Sorry for all those who know how to say it properly. Um, so pole position is uh, Sebi Vett. I think the win will go to Charles Leclerc. I think second place will go to uh, Sebastian Vettel. And I think third place will go to Max Verstappen. Um, I have... All of those in a different order. Um, I don't, I'm not going to introduce any new names into the fold, but I'm going to mix it up a bit. I'm going to say that Charles Leclerc is going to be on pole position. Um, of course, Ferrari have got pole every single race since the summer break, so I don't see any reason to, to switch that around. But I am actually going to pull for Max Verstappen to win this race for a third year wow. in a row. Um, ahead of the two Ferrari guys. I've got Sebastian Vettel finishing second, uh, and then Charles Leclerc, the pole man, finishing in third. That's very, very spicy. Now, one thing we want to hear down in the comments and something we always like to do in these previews, of course, is your bold prediction. What crazy, crazy thing is going to happen at this race weekend? Uh, if you've got one that's ridiculous, we want to hear it in the comments. We'll drop a comment on it. We'll ping it. We'll show that you are the boldest man that watches late breaking or woman. Excuse me for that. Uh, ben, kick us off. Bold prediction. What do you think? My bold prediction is probably not the most bold one I've ever done, but I'm going with this. Nico Hulkenberg is going to qualify and finish in sixth place. And at the end of the race, he is going to make some sort of passive aggressive statement towards Renault that they should have kept him. Well, that is incredibly specific. I mean, we are tripping major nutsack right now if that happens. That is so specific that I I mean, I can't see it not happening. Why would you not take the opportunity of success to go, oh, you Muppets? Um, I like it. I like it. I think mine is less bold just because yours is so ridiculously specific. I think that both Mercedes cars will finish outside the top six at the end of the race. I mean, that's really bold. It hasn't really happened this season, has it? So um, just to clarify that one. So when we come back to this next week and it's a technicality, if they both retire, do they both have to finish the race? Well, I was I was not really too bothered, but if we're okay. going to really go full hog, I will happily stake my hat on um, them both actually crossing the line physically on the on the last lap outside the top six. Wow, I mean it, it's bold enough as it is if they both retire. We don't see that very often, but wow, that, that would be crazy. That really would be crazy, and of course it would um would push the championship on for at least one more race. Yeah, um, keeps it interesting. Yeah, and of course, we would like to be outbolded in the comments, so do get those bold predictions in. Moving on to Alfa Romeo. Now, there has been a slight rumour, I don't think it's too developed at this stage, that maybe they aren't too happy with their position in Formula One and might consider leaving at some point. 
Um, do you think that Alpha have a right to be disappointed with how this season has gone? And do you think there's any truth in the rumour that that could lead them to leaving the sport at some point? I would be massively disappointed if Alpha Romeo left the sport, especially this early. They've only been you know, a, a lead uh, team sponsor, whatever, um, for one full season. Of course, last season they were paired with Sauber. They were Alpha Romeo Sauber. And so I would like to see them give it a proper crack, at least stay till the, the, the first end year of the new era, because Alpha Romeo are such a historically brilliant team. They've got a lot of backing behind them. I'd be incredibly shocked if financially they couldn't afford it. They don't sell that many cars regardless. So I don't think that's the issue. I think maybe due to the fact that their best friends, big brothers, little brothers, however you want to call it, Ferrari, are now starting to really win races and step it up and maybe they're being overshadowed. I wonder if they secretly hoped they could join Formula 1 and in a couple of seasons be fighting with Ferrari. Um, it was never really going to happen to start with. But I would really like to see them stick around. I really like Alfa Romeo. I love the look of their cars. I love the passion. I love that we've got another Italian team there. So, yeah, I'd be really disappointed if they left. And I think it's a little bit of a silly, a bit of a snapshot rumour to go, they're leaving just because they're not doing, they're not doing badly. You know, they're, they're firmly midfield. They're fighting with the racing points. Occasionally they'll get into the points. Couple of years to develop. What what more do they expect? They're not going to be instant champions. So I think they'd be silly to leave for a start. I think they've got the money to carry on. They wouldn't have done it if they thought, oh no, if we lose a few car sales, we'll have to leave the sport. That seems poor in terms of financial planning. And um, I think they're great to have. So keep keep around. I hope, I really hope they stick around. And in terms of 2019, how do you evaluate this season? Of course, only a few races left to go. Um, currently sat in eighth place, exactly where they finished last year. How do you think they've got on? The tough thing for Alfa Romeo is almost the resurgence of McLaren. Is McLaren have turned it around massively. McLaren are now the midfield team to beat, where a couple of seasons ago, as we all know, they were lingering massively in the field. I don't think that consistency is a good thing for a new team. And despite their racing historic privilege, their legacy, they are a new team in Formula One. And they need to remember that consistency is good. They've now overtaken Haas, who will come up, then come back down again. Uh, Racing Point have got absolutely massive funding and are starting to regrow. So I don't think that's an issue, beating Williams comfortably. And they've just got Renault and McLaren in front of them after that. So I think it's okay. I think they need to really focus on 2021. And if they get their eggs down and go, not right off the next season, they're not put full effort into it. I think they could really do well come the new season. They have got the resources, more so than some of those other independent teams. So I really think that their season is fine. I don't think they should be too harsh on each other. They made some good uh, driver choices for this season. I think they have got the name, the, the presence to sign some good drivers going forward. They just need to be a little bit savvy with that and hopefully not commit too long into the future with, uh, I think, the names they've got now because we're going to move on in a minute after Ben Sang's point to discuss their driver lineup. Ben, what do you think about Alfa Romeo? Yeah, I, I think it's actually a, a really good mixture of, well, not a really good mixture, but it is a perfectly balanced mixture of, it has been a bit of a letdown year, and also, what were they expecting? I think it is a combination of both. In terms of it being a slight letdown, they they must be slightly disappointed that they haven't kicked on from, from last year. Of course, fo- focus back to a few years ago that they were not scoring any points whatsoever. And last year was a real... You know, it, they pushed through the barrier last year and they managed to get to nearly 50 points. So it was a massive step in the right direction. And they must have been at least hoping that this year would have been the year where they kicked on even more and looked towards the top of the midfield rather than scrapping it out for seventh, eighth place. And it just hasn't materialised in that way. Um, 
and with the the power of that Ferrari engine, and this applies for Haas as well, they they look at how well Ferrari are doing on the straights, and they must be thinking sort of akin to Mercedes at the beginning of the hybrid era, where if you had a Mercedes engine in the midfield, you were pretty sorted. They must have been hoping for something very similar, and it just hasn't happened for them. Um, but there are there are certain certain aspects to it that you know what were they expecting? They are bringing in a brand new lineup which is a really difficult thing to to happen because you've got two new drivers starting completely fresh. Okay, Kimi Raikkonen, of course, has a huge amount of experience, more than anyone in F1, but he is still adapting to a new style, a new culture. And the same goes for Antonio Giovinazzi as well. So um, you'll notice with the likes of Renault, even though that their lineup has transitioned a lot from Magnussen and Palmer, they've never transitioned, they've never swapped both drivers in a season. They've, they've, sort of gradually changed one one at a time um, and I think there's a real reason for that is because you want to keep the knowledge within the driver lineup at least on half of the garage and with Antonio Giovinazzi in particular I mean this is a guy who has not been in a full racing series for a number of years no, you can't expect him to in the first few races immediately be scoring points in the same way that they were last year you have to at least expect some sort of adjustment period which I think has happened because he has been getting better as the year has gone on um, you could argue how much better. That's an argument, but he has been getting better. Um, but that surely they should have taken that into account. Um, and I think the midfield is just how the midfield is. You, you spoke about McLaren's resurgence. That's absolutely right. Um, and the volatility of that midfield is is recognisable. You've got teams going up and down. Haas gone down. Renault staying up. McLaren going up. Toro Rosso have managed to pick up a, a streaky podium this year. And suddenly a few results like that and an Alpha are where they were last year. They, they might beat their points total of last year. It's probably going to be quite close. So, uh, yeah, maybe a slight letdown year. But at the same time, Alpha, like, come on, you, you weren't going to be fighting the top guys. So, yeah, maybe their automotive sales have not spiked in the way that they wanted to. Maybe they're not getting quite the amount of attention from Formula One as they anticipated. Um, I don't think that was ever going to happen within the short time they've re-entered into Formula One. They've got to give it a few years. And 2021, that might well be the break they need. Yeah, I think commit full resources. You're right, it's not going to be an instant turnaround. Formula One is not make your own car and put it on the track. It's not a racing series where they can put one of their cars out on track and advertise it, so to speak. Like QT3, where you've got the likes of the McLaren that are running their own build car. There, Of course, that's going to attract attention. BMW are in there. Ferrari are in there. That builds rep for a certain model of car. Formula One isn't about that. You are an enterprise, a brand. You know That's what you do in Formula One, and you try to drive for automotive success. It's put Mercedes on a pedestal in terms of how good they are at engineering, what do you think it's done for their reputation being in Formula 1? It's elevating it hugely. Alpha and Man need to stick it out. They need to give it more time. And I'm going to say controversially now, they need to change their entire driver lineup within the next two years. Wow. Well, that is the point that we're going to get onto. More specifically, Antonio Giovinazzi, whether he deserves a place next year. Uh, of course, Kimi Raikkonen at, at 40 years old, he is still contracted next year, but he might well move on to Pasha's new after that. Um, but please expand on that point. You want them to completely go in a different direction within the next two years. Does that include Antonio Giovinazzi being kicked out of the seat at the end of this year? So at the end of this year, no, I think, again, they need to focus more on the car and the development of the car than they do the drivers for the end of this era. Like I said, the end of this era isn't particularly important. And if you're a top team, you might be able to snatch one cheeky championship off of the Sagas. I reckon Ferrari are desperate to do. But 
Kimi Raikkonen, I think, will retire from Formula 1 come the end of this era. He's had a great series. He's had a fantastic time in Alfa Romeo. I think he's had a couple of his best races we've seen since his return to Formula 1. He's done a really good job. And his knowledge is almost... You, you can't put a value on his knowledge and his experience. It is incredibly you know, large. It's a wealth of knowledge. Giovinazzi had this reputation coming through F2 and F3. He was considered to be a bit of a young prodigy, you know, young driver, young Ferrari academy driver, had a lot of people talking about him. I remember hearing his name when I was growing up in terms of learning the overall world of Formula One. And that was one of the first names I ever heard in terms of there wasn't an F1 driver at the time. And I was like, oh, who's this Giovinazzi fella? And he's just not good enough, in my opinion, to be sat in a team of that prestige. There are drivers hanging around the outside of Formula 1. There are people like, I know it's never going to happen, but the likes of George Russell driving a Williams at the back of the grid. And there will be other drivers like that who deserve a chance at point scoring, at wheel-to-wheel battles. And I don't think Giovinazzi is good enough. He has improved. He has improved. And he's beaten Kimi Raikkonen on a few occasions. Not the hardest thing in the world when Kimi Raikkonen is not his prime anymore and he's 40 years old. So... As always, probably doesn't really care too much about what happens to him. But Giovinazzi needs to do better. You know, he was Leclerc's senior. He was Verstappen's senior. He was the first of that group to come into like, Formula One and expected to do well. And hasn't ever really massively impressed me. The same as Gasly, really. Has never really impressed me. I was never stunned by Gasly's work. Giovinazzi, for me, isn't a long-term option for Alfa Romeo. They have many other connections, many other possibilities that I think they can learn to grow, develop, and help them in the team. I just don't think he's worth keeping on after 2021. Keeping for stability now, ease out Reichingen, bring in someone new, then ease out Giovinazzi, bring in someone new. Like you said, or maybe they'll get lucky. Maybe they'll have a full McLaren switch up, bring Sainz and Norris in and have the best time of their lives. Who knows? But regardless, I can't see Giovinazzi being in that seat or deserving to be in that seat unless he turns into a flipping wonder kid over the next 12 months. Yeah, I think... Um... I think he deserves the seat next year for two reasons. First of all, there is that progression that we've spoken about. He has got better as the year has gone on, and that is completely understandable thanks to how long he's been out of full-time racing. He's got back into full-time racing. He he really struggled in the first few races of this year. Um, You can even argue the first half of this race, uh, first half of the season. Um, But the last five races, he has scored points on two occasions to Kimi's none. And he is out qualifying Kimi quite consistently. And you, you absolutely do make the point and the right point that Kimi Raikkonen is not is not world champion Kimi. He's, he's not 05 Kimi. He's not 03 Kimi. He's, he's not that level of driver anymore. So beating him, whilst it is still, you know, it's still impressive if Giovinazzi comes in and beats Kimi Raikkonen by a few attempts in a qualifying session, it's not what it would have been, say, 12 years ago. Um, I think he deserves the seat for that progression. And I think... I, that's what I'm looking for in the year, because if, if this is a long term plan, if he had got no better as the year had gone on, if he had got a few points at the beginning of the year, but there was nothing really to indicate it was going to go even better than that, I would consider getting him out of there. But I think he's probably on that upward trajectory. Now, where is his ceiling? Is his ceiling as high as some of the other young drivers in F1? Probably not. But you need to give him another year to at least find that out, I think. I think you give him due diligence in that respect. Um, and the other thing is they haven't really got anyone who is absolutely primed to be in that seat next year. If they had, say, Charles Leclerc, who was waiting in the wings this year, and he was in line with an alpha seat next year, then I would absolutely say, yeah, sorry, Antonio, pack your bags, in come Charles. Because 
you know, Charles Leclerc, we know from his junior career that he was always set to be a very, very good Formula One driver. And they just don't have anyone, not necessarily who's good enough, but who's who's ready. You could argue that Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari Driver Academy will probably be in a Ferrari affiliated seat at some point, but he's not ready yet. He's only an, he's only racing F3 this year. And similar with Mick Schumacher, if you want him in Formula One, he probably needs another year in F2. So I don't think there's any point in rushing either of those two drivers. I think you give Antonio Giovinazzi another year. He ends up being really good. Fantastic, Alfie. You've got yourself a driver for the next few years. If he doesn't end up improving much, so long, you can bring in one of the other two guys. I think that gives them the flexibility to work either way. It gives them both options. I completely agree with you. I mean, you're right. He has improved and he has scored points. And while beating Kimi is not the same thing as it once was, and we compare him to those other younger drivers that have come up through the F2 series, you need to look at his age. He's not a young driver by today's standards anyway. He is 25 going on, you know, now coming towards 26. He's he's a standard age driver. I think you put him up against Perez. I think you put him up against Ricardo. I think you put him up against even maybe Kvyat or Gasly. I don't know if he beats them. And that's what concerns me. I don't think Gio should ever be more than a second driver in an F1 team. And... I think the only reason he stays is, yes, the progression. But I think it's because there's no one ready, as you said. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a full 2021 switch to bring Schwartzman and Schumacher into the lineup as Ferrari young drivers and give them two, three years in there to see how they do. Um, for me, he's just not got that raw talent. But I genuinely do think he's got a place in racing. He's a fantastic driver overall, but maybe not in a top seat in F1. Um, and finally today, moving on to Sebastian Vettel. Um, he was asked about Charles Leclerc as a teammate and whether he is the um, whether he was the best teammate he's ever faced. And I think quite rightly, Sebastian Vettel said it's probably too early to say from Charles' perspective. Um, but that does open up a pretty wide debate because he has had a few pretty good teammates. Sam, who do you think is Sebastian Vettel's best teammate? This is a massively tough question because... If you don't remember, uh, Vettel's hang a good few teammates. Let's run through them for you quickly. Uh, he's had Kubica, he's had Heigfeld, he's had Lietzi, he's had Bordeaux, Weber, Ricardo, Reich, and Leclerc. Those are his teammates since starting in Formula 1. We can write off a few of those. Lietzi for a start. I mean, he's not going to be at the pinnacle of Vettel's teammates. Uh, the other one that I think we can write off, surprisingly to some maybe, Mark Weber. He beat Mark Weber in every single uh, season that they race against each other. So for me... That's a, that's a given. And the other one is Nick Heidfeld. Never ever got a race win. Uh, quick Nick was quick, but not quick enough. Now, that leaves us with, I think, five obvious options. Sebastian Bordeaux wasn't ever good enough to get through to that Formula 1, even though you and I, Ben, think completely different of that. We think that he should have had a long, illustrious Formula 1 career, but not to be. So Kubica, Ricardo, Reichen and Leclerc. I don't think Vettel ever raced Kimi when Kimi was at his best. I think if Vettel was in the same car as Kimi in 05, I reckon there's every chance that Kimi wipes the floor with Vettel, you know? I reckon there's every chance that Kimi destroys him. So I don't think it's Kimi either. I do think, though, same case for Robert Kubica, that actually Daniel Ricciardo is the best teammate of the same time that they were racing that Sebastian Vettel has ever had alongside him. Daniel Ricciardo wiped the floor with, um, with Robert, Robert Kubica, with Sebastian Vettel. Daniel Ricciardo came into the team pretty much the same time that Sebastian Vettel was king of that team. You know, he'd come up from the junior program. Daniel Ricciardo wasn't a really particularly known entity at that point, only been in the sport a few years, mainly in tour or so, and did such a fantastic job against a four-time world champion 
beating Comfrey, and Monza is the race that springs to mind. He absolutely sold him the dummy and went clean round him. You went clean round a four-time world champion or one of your first seasons in a major F1 team. Charles Leclerc has not had enough time against him yet, I don't think, although he's rapidly becoming one of the best teammates Vettel's had. But for me, Ricardo is the one that currently stands out if you were to put them current form against current form at that point in their career, I think Ricardo had him. And I think Ricardo at that point was the best teammate that Vettel has got. And until Leclerc maybe does another season and really shows off, for me, Ricardo is the best that Vettel had. Yeah, I think this largely comes down to how do you phrase, phrase the question? Because if you are asking simply, who is the best driver that Le, uh, that Vettel has been against? The answer is Kimi Raikkonen, because he's he's the only world champion of the lot. Um, but of course, as you say, he, he was not at the peak of his powers when Vettel was against him. And do you phrase the question, who is the best teammate that Vettel has faced in that in that period of time? Um, in which case, I think you're right that the answer isn't Kimi. Um, and I'm also I'm also agreeing with you to discard Mark Webber as well. He had nine race wins in five years where I think he had either the best or the second best car. And that's just not enough compared to what Vettel was able to do. You know, Vettel took more race wins than that in one season, let alone five. Just a disclaimer, um, um, they had 94 races together. 94 races, well, yeah. yeah. So I, I can't... I, I can't give it to Mark Webber either. Uh, Robert Kubica, nothing to do with his talent. I I, it's tough to call them teammates. I, I I know they technically were, but I think in terms of longer established teammates, in which case I think I have to agree with you in terms of Daniel Ricciardo was the best teammate that, that Vettel had to face at that time. It, it's really surprising how well Ricciardo did when he managed to move up to Red Bull and he wiped the floor clean. It, it wasn't even close that season. Um, Ricardo, immense talent. Um, had that one. That's still his best year in F1. I think he he was really sensational that year. Um, and he's got he's got the wins to prove it as well. He's got seven wins. So if you compare that to Weber, he's got too fewer victories. When let's Red Bull never he's never had the fastest car. He's very rarely had the second fastest car, let alone the fastest. Um, but I will say this: I think Charles Leclerc is the most talented teammate that Vettel has ever had. And I include Kimi in that. Um, I think Leclerc has the potential, and potential might be the better word than talent, um, for just raw potential, raw talent. Charles Leclerc, I think, is 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 above them all. Um, the guy has six pole positions this season. And how many opportunities has he realistically had for pole where Mercedes weren't so dominant in you know, the beginning of this year? It's not many at all. He's already got double the amount of pole positions that Ricardo has, which is bewildering when you think of it. Um, I, I think Leclerc, yeah, you have to say that in, in terms of career achievements, of course, it's Kimi. In terms of at the same time, it's Ricardo. If you're going on pure potential, I'm going with Leclerc. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's phrasing the question. And I think if you were to line peak Vettel up on like a bar chart and then put peak Kubica, peak Ricardo, peak Kimi, peak Weber, peak Leclerc. I think Leclerc is the clear winger in terms of just that absolute raw ability. He has turned off at that Ferrari team and he's he's done so, so well. I think the pole position to write that it's Lewis Hamilton levels of raw pace on a Saturday. You know, it is if, if he carries on the way he's going, records could be broken once again by this young man in terms of a Saturday qualifying pace. And even back in Bahrain, when they clearly didn't have the best car, he was holding off 
world champions. He was holding off his teammate. He was holding off, you know, Bottas and Mercedes. He was the composed Ferrari there. Vettel was the one spinning like a tabletop. Leclerc was the one that would have won that race if it had not been for an engine failure. And he could bring another 25 points clear at that point. So I think you're right in saying that Charles Leclerc, if you were to put all their careers against each other, in that time, Charles Leclerc will be the most impressive teammate that Sebastian Vettel has had to face up against. And kind of going on to this topic, segueing nicely, um, we have referenced this before, but the whole dynamic between Vettel and Leclerc, now we've had a bit of time to experience that when they have been winning, which I think is the number one indicator as to whether a relationship is going to work when you know the pressure is ramped up. Do you think there's a long-term future for the two of them within Ferrari? It's really difficult because I think Sebastian Vettel is clinging on to emulating a Michael Schumacher at Ferrari kind of career. I think he desperately wants to be a German man to win in a Ferrari. I think there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of love for that affiliation, that relationship. And I think maybe next season might be Vettel's last chance to win a title with Ferrari if they get the car right. Um, I think there's a bit of a kind of a master-apprentice relationship at the moment. If the season ends and Leclerc beats Vettel on points this season and they go into next season, I think at that point they stand as equals in, in talent. Vettel is not at the peak of his career anymore. We all know that. As much as I love Sebastian Vettel, he is not as good as he once was. Charles Leclerc is on the up. His trajectory is almost a vertical line in terms of how good he could get. And they are at that point where they might next season swap over. And I think Leclerc is going to start putting his foot down and thinking, come on, this, this is my team now. Let's build it around me. Vettel's had his chance. He's had, what, five, six years on that Ferrari team now. So let make me your number one man. I'm going to turn this around. So I do think that this season will be fine. I can't see a long-term future after next season because I think Vettel's a little past it. Leclerc's coming into it. And I don't think Vettel's achieved whatever he wanted to achieve at Ferrari. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Vettel maybe take a step away if there is a driver ready in 2021. If there isn't, I think he's a number two driver from there on out. I mean, we already see that Leclerc is ahead of Vettel. It is close. We we have to mention that. But Leclerc at the moment is ahead of Sebastian Vettel in the standings in Leclerc's first year at Ferrari. It's, it's really impressive what he's been able to do. And I think Sebastian Vettel, for the most part, has also had a pretty good year. I, I think he he's arguably, I think he's been better this year than he was last year, even though, you know, the positions would would tell you otherwise. I, I, I really think he's um he's had a good year, but Leclerc is just sensational when it comes to qualifying. And I think he will continue to have that advantage on a Saturday. And the only way in which Vettel is going to be able to remain competitive with Leclerc when he gets more experience next year is if he can draw on his many more years of experience um, in pressure situations, which which hasn't necessarily been his forte. So, if he can if he can hold his nerve, um, perhaps in in situations where Leclerc might lose his cool, I'd, I'm not too sure. But yeah, it, the tide is definitely changing, and, and Vettel just has to do enough to make sure that tide doesn't completely change by next year, and hopefully Ferrari give him the car to actually go and uh, potentially win a championship or at least make a make a claim for one. Um, but yeah, I think that will be very exciting to see at the end of this year and next year. Um, Mexican Grand Prix this weekend, of course. Looking forward to that. Um, we'll be reviewing the race on Sunday. So make sure you keep your ears, eyes and ears peeled for that one. Until then, Sam, get us out of here. Yeah, it will be a late one on Sunday, but hopefully you'll 
uh, with us to watch. But if you have enjoyed what we brought you today, then we'd love to get down in the comments. Let us know what your thoughts are on the topics in the videos. And we'll hopefully have a nice conversation with you about the sport that we all love and care about so much. If you want to stick around for more, hit the subscribe button. And of course, if you've enjoyed the video, then please hit the like. And if you're watching on the podcast, leave a little review. We'd love to know what you think about it. It really helps us. So uh, we appreciate it very much. So thank you very much. Uh, in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. And I've been Ben Hocking. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.